Hello and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender and with me is my fellow host Keith McLeod. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through Golden State by Bush. Keith, are you there? Fucking golden shower, what? Are you there? What? Sorry, I fell asleep. What's going on? We we had to listen to a very, very different album this week, didn't we? Oh, yeah. What was it? Golden Shower by fucking Shrubs. Bushes. Bush. 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 Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I asked us to do that. Have you got... Is this is this bit over? Have we done it? Did, was we, did we, was we, that comedy? We did the bit. I don't know if Great. it is. We did the bit. Um, man, this... Look, I hope, you've got, I hope you're well rested. I hope you've not had a lot of stress in your shoulders recently because you're going to have to carry this episode because I got fuck all for you, man. <laughs> Honestly. This is possibly... Without jest, maybe the most boring album I have ever heard. Or it's certainly one of them. Because what is on this album? It's 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 an absolute disappointment. So just to clue my clue clue our listeners in, again, thank you for tuning in. Uh those who've come back. If you're new here, hello. If you're not, thanks for coming back. Um we're gonna talk about an album today that it was important to me for the right reasons, I hope, but it was not, it was not for its content. <laughs> Ticks the criteria, you, this was important to you growing up, of why I um, cannot wait to fathom, but okay. I hope I can try and explain it through this episode. I, I hope you can too, because then that justifies why the fuck I've been listening to it for the last three days. I mean, you listen to it for an afternoon, surely. At least. At least. Probably. At least. Hey, it made me, it rekindled uh, my appreciation for Bush. That's what she said. Thank you. And I went out of my way to actually acquire the the better Bush album, Razorblade Suitcase, which I would strongly recommend anyone who enjoys uh, the, the type of music we're discussing to have a listen to as it's it's a very it's a very good album. This one, however, we'll talk about. So Golden well, State. Uh, but just 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 interrupt there. Just a, just a bloody hold on a freaking second there, mate. That's further testament to the question of why did we listen to this album if you didn't even buy this album? Like you know, you bought another one, a better one, one with an equally crazy name. Well, I've already got Golden State on CD, so I don't need to buy it again, do I? Oh, okay. This was and yet, this is the reason. So the reason it's got a special place in my heart is very, very much a nostalgic one. I got this album Christmas two thousand and one because I asked my mum and dad to get me it for Christmas. Cute, okay, and they did. Wow, and they got the right album. They That's adorable. Exactly. So there's the first. There's the first little. I'll never forget. They bought me this album. Um, okay. So that that's up there. 
But that's nothing to do with you, listeners. So this was this was Bush's fourth album. They were a band since 1992. They had been on various labels. This was their first album on Atlantic Records, a major, major label. Prior to that, they'd been on Interscope. Um, it was written and recorded by the, the four main guys. So we've got Robin Goodridge on drums. Dave Parsons Rubble. on bass. These are names I'm, I'm not going to really say many more times. Nigel Pulsford on lead guitars. He's going to come up again. And Big Nigel. A little known singer slash guitarist that some of you may know as Gavin Rosdale. Never heard of him. I mean, he's a celebrity in his own right. Is he? He's, he, has, he has IMDB credits. More than you do, Keith. Uh, I have an IMDb credit, thank you very much. Being in your mate's music video doesn't count. Uh, no, it was my music video. Uh, no, it wasn't my music video. It was my movie, and uh, we won a competition. Thanks very much. I'm IMDb in that, and I'm going to put a screenshot on the Instagram page for that. In saying that, I don't know if I do have an IMDb credit, or if I was told I should have an IMDb credit. But I did make a movie, and we did win the 40 hours. <laughs> I've just pointed out, he's got more IMDb credits than you. I've got an IMDb credit. Or do I? <laughs> that was a great question. It was 2011, man. It was a wild time. Wild I was times. listening to bloody Times of Grace, not Gavin Rosdale. Oh, Jeez, Times oh. of Grace, you're bringing them up again. Christ. I jest, I jest. I'm fully aware of Gavin Rosdale. And as you said earlier on today, he was in... Crap, it's gone. Constantine. He was. He's Balthazar in Constantine. Yeah, that's a good movie. I like that movie. There we go. So there we go. Anyway, so this was the fourth album. They'd had a run of relatively successful albums. Um, 16 Stone, their debut album, followed by Razorblade Suitcase. And uh, they then... Awful names. Uh, it's the 90s. You've got, to, you've got to put yourself in the frame of the 90s. Got, I can't. Not if this is the frame. The frame. The the frame is. I was going to say something very two thousands. It's it was prior to that. It's, it's very Britpop. It's very Union Jacky. It's yeah, you know. Well, there's another reason why I probably don't like it. Well, it's one of the reasons that Bush were more popular in the United States. Um, why? Because they were from Britain. Because they were from the royal family and British. Yes, <laughs> British. Very fucking good. Americans love that shit, don't they? Fucking mugs. Sorry, there's a couple of couple of yanks that listen to this, don't they? Well, fucking fuck you. <laughs> fucking we're Britain, yes. Get the bloody colonies back, eh? Mm-hmm. What? Colonies, they are sure are rowdy. The, um, so Bush were actually quite popular in America, to my surprise. I always thought them as like middling popular. Never saw them as like a big band but some reason they just seem to be everywhere at sometimes it turns out that because Britpop was a thing during the 90s your blurs your oasis your pulp bush were meant to fall into that they they people expected them to fall into that sort of sound and they they weren't bush were pejoratively referred to as a post grunge band um because America didn't get the Britpop thing, but they had a hole as as grunge bands were evolving, and Bush fit that hole. So when they made these albums, Sixteen Stone and Razorblade Suitcase, they went down a storm. 
again, terrible names, but I suppose at that point what you could say is they sort of predated, they did predate Britpop. They were just before, you would say, Oasis and Blur. Is that fair? Probably around the same time for for popularity's sake. Something like Wonderwall would have come out in 1996, which had been about the same time as Razorblade Suitcase. Yeah, so what, Oasis went from 91 to 2009. What's the story more in... Blake, yeah, their breakthrough was 93 to 95. Yeah, so, so the... So when did, when did um, these guys hit these states? 92. Well, well, 90... Um, whenever the albums that I've not researched came out in the... Uh, in 96, I think they had Razorblade Suitcase. In 97, they made that techno remix album um, called Deconstructed with right. some truly awful, awful remixes. In 1999... Oh, I listened to some of those remixes. I listened to the Swallow remix. Fuck me. So that bad. Is just... Uh, so bad. I can't. I don't need, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think we need to preface everything with, oh, they're musicians, they do better than me. Of course they've fucking done better than me, but Jesus Christ, I would not have just put that out. Like, it is complete garbage, but that's my opinion. Yeah, pretty much. They had another album out, which its name escapes me because it was not that good either. Shocker. Uh, but that in 1999. And basically. 1999 was a bit of a turning point for them. So they've released two albums that were more electronic leaning, Mm -hmm. that were veering away from what had made them popular initially. Doesn't sound very grunge. Well, this was it. So they went back. They wanted to go back to their roots. Take, you know, strip it back. Just take it nice and simple. And that's what Golden State was. An album that was mostly well-received by critics, but it, it just didn't do the what they wanted it to do. So the previous album was called The Science of Things. That was an, an electronic-leaning album, and that was on the back of Deconstructed, which was this remix album again. So it the fans were getting alienated, to say the least. And in 1999, Bush were the first headline band at Woodstock 99. Ooh, and we've discussed Woodstock 99 back in our Lint Biscuit episode. That's right. Episode th- three? Four. Fuck. Episode like four, Lint Biscuit. Significant other. So if you want to learn a bit more about Woodstock 99, check out a previous podcast. Um, but basically, if you have, if you look at the Woodstock '99 sort of roster, Bush were a little bit out of place, and they recognised that themselves. They felt they were like this sort of delicate alternative band, and then you've got delicate. And then you've got Limp Biscuit. They delicate was their word. Uh, delicate, delicate was a word that I think Nigel Pulsford used to describe themselves. Um, but yeah, you had them compared against these new metal juggernauts that were on the way, like Limp Bizkit, who literally tore the place to bits. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the mindset. So it's just putting yourself in the mindset of the the, the band when they went to record and, and write this. Um, they're trying to be 
raw. They're trying to be hip and, you know, popular again, for, for want of a better word. It doesn't sound like they're actually going back to their roots. It just sounds like they're trying to, like, tick some boxes. Ah, it did become a bit of a tick box exercise. Again, though, critics, um, all music critics, Stephen Thomas Irwin said in a 2001 review, this is a return to basics. This is a return to the sound of their 1992 debut album, 16 Stone. I have to be honest, as a, as a, I'll say a fan because I don't mind it. I'm not put off by it. But this album bored me to tears as a teenager. Fair. Not physical, not not real tears. I'm being a bit hyperbolic. I was really bored no. by this album. I was. It was not an impressive album. It had maybe two songs on it that I'd listen to again, and I haven't changed that position today from from twenty years ago. I'll be honest with you. If you want to tune out now, you're welcome to. That's that's my my bottom line on it, really. So there you are, it's Christmas 2001, you're going through your gifts, there's a CD-shaped box, and you're like, oh my god, is this it? Is this, okay, I'll give you the, I'll give you the full rundown, I'll give you the full rundown. Alright, okay, okay, go for it. So, it was, I'd asked for a new hi-fi, so I got a Sony um, microsystem with a mini-disc input. Fucking yes! So I was so happy that I could rip directly from tapes, from CDs, or from any analog input like my computer for the old, you know, Napster. I could rip that direct to MP, that direct to mini disc, and it sounded great. So the package was: I got this new shiny microsystem. Got it all wired in, got it all set up, speakers where I wanted them. I mean, I'm, I miss those days, man. We don't we don't set up hi-fis anymore. You don't get the speakers out of the box and you get, get it to work. All right, okay, you do because you're a giant fucking nerd. But for the people who are not able to see what we what I can see on our webcams here, Laugh has a fucking super nerdy LP amp monitor set up. So, you know, enjoys his, enjoys his high-quality music. But uh, for those of us who, just like me, who are not that who are not that guy, I miss those days. You know, yeah. you, you get your you get your crappy little speakers that are just like plywood or whatever. But hey, you get, you get to put in the wires and you feel like you're doing something, like you've built it. Oh yeah. So this is my first system with proper like detachable wires and the speakers were independent. And oh, I thought it was the I thought it was the dog's bollocks. I was so happy. The, and the bees knees. The CD that was gonna be the gonna break the seal going to be the first to christen such an event was bush's golden state and this is the reason it's been picked it was the first album i got to play on this microsystem nice i put it on cranked it to 10 <laughs> i think it went up to 30 i didn't want to be too and loud then, i don't know and then your mum was like fucking crash put it down and you're like shit and then you went back down to four unfortunately no have you heard the beginning of solutions so, solutions the very first no. track track one solutions oh then i have heard it yeah i told you it was called solutions it's called solutions i was like oh is that it it's the most disappointing opening track of any album it is the worst 
track one, side one, or whatever you want to call it, that could ever have existed. It picks up, it does build up eventually, and it does become a bit of a bit anthemic towards the end. And I could see, you know, in a live setup that could probably work. But the decision to make that intro the start of the album baffles me. Still to this to this day, twenty years later, I put it on and I just want to skip that fucking track straight away. Lav, there's going to be a recurring theme throughout this entire episode, and it's like it baffles me they made this album. No, and put no. it out there. I'm not. I'm not baffled by the creation of the album because. If we look at the personnel on this album, it had all the right ingredients. All right, hit me. Who we got? Who have we got? Right. Have we got some Jeff Blue? There's no Jeff Blues. These were these guys were already signed. These were these were big boys. These were big boys by this point. These had been on these right. So Razorblade Suitcase was a US number one album for five weeks. Wow, five weeks. This these were no these were no spring chickens. So by the time we're talking about Golden State coming up, they got the names in that they needed to make this album work. All right, producer, producer, producer? the producer's name D Sardi. He has been the producer on albums such as Marilyn Manson's Hollywood, Marilyn Manson's uh, Lost and Found setup singles um he was the mixing engineer on renegades by rage against the machine he was the producer on system of a down's toxicity he was also the producer of a again another callback on wolf mother by wolf mother (laughs) right i know why you're referring to that because i referred to it in a previous episode and i referred to it wrong i even i even prefaced myself with i don't think i'm misremembering this because of x y and z and i totally misremembered it because of x y and z uh, i think i referred to mike Patton laying into wolf mother i think in my head i made the led zeppelin connotations and i think it was uh, lollapalooza in like chicago or something so thanks yeah. for that okay thank you uh the engineer on this album, again, some massive, massive albums. He was also the lead engineer on Californication. I hate it, but it sounds great. The self-titled Audio Slave album. I love that album. Again, Marilyn Manson's Hollywood. Since the, since this, in more recent terms, he's been the producer on The Grey Chapter, Slipknot. Slipknot. Wow. And We Are Not Your Kind. Fuck off. As well as some work by, recent work by Metallica, their recent S&M 2 release that I've just listened oh, to last dude. week, and um, their their last studio album, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. So, you've got the personnel who can make a great album. They recorded it in uh, Olymp- Olympic Studios in London. Again, huge huge legacy studio these this studio is up there with with your abbey roads mm-hmm. with your made of veils it's an icon in the british record industry you've got artists from the rolling stones david bowie led zeppelin have recorded songs and albums there hendrix the beatles you name it you can honestly name so much stuff 
I couldn't I couldn't even begin to list it and I'm not going to bore you all with it. So you've got all these people and you've got Gavin Rosdale and the rest of the band. So Gavin Rosdale <laughs> writes the songs. Nigel's on guitars and they produced this snooze fest. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the quality of personnel on it. Like everyone starts somewhere. You know, not everyone's got the mindest touch from 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 uh, from from the word go. So it's possible this was a learning curve for these guys as well. I, I don't know where they started in their careers or whatever. Yes, they've gone on to do some great stuff, but that doesn't mean they were necessarily on form for this album. I wouldn't say it's their doing. Yeah. Um, because essentially, shortly afterwards, the band disbanded. <laughs> remember that oh no I'm, I'm laughing my head off that was great you had to pause for a sneeze that's not getting cut anyway so the band disbanded shortly after the, the album was released due to the disagreements of how it was produced uh, I mean not due to that there had been a build up of, of things but mm-hmm. this was the straw that broke the camel's back and the harshest critic of the album uh, came in a 2009 interview with uh, the BBC, Nigel Pulsford, the guitarist. He would say that Golden State suffered from too much Pro Tools and I don't think it sounds very good. (laughs) I could stop there, but he carries on. All of the life was produced out of it. It's a shame because the the, the backing track sounded great. Ah, anyway... There was disillusionment over the science of things, the previous album. There'd been tensions over the mixing of this album. Personal things in Nigel's life, he just, he left. And the tour was undertaken by a different guitarist. They even, they made a few tracks, they made a few videos for this. uh, But the last track that was released was the track Inflatable. That had a video and Nigel's not even in that. Right, um, and they they would disband a few months afterwards. That disbandment would lead to disputes with the various recording deals and labels they'd had in previous years. It all built up to the fact that they weren't paid any royalties since two thousand and one in Europe, according to Nigel. Wow, even Rosdale. Again, I can only say that's according to Nigel. So whether Rosdale wasn't paying him or whether they weren't getting money for the the music side of it but we're getting for the vocal side of it if you look through the sort of what he was up to in the mid 2000s it kind of makes sense that he maybe wasn't making as much money from things he's getting into acting he was in zoolander as himself we'd already mentioned he'd been in constantine Mm -hmm. a lot of gavin rosdale tracks got released i think he had a track on triple x the movie i was looking at his imdb earlier and oh, it's, he plays uh, something in a in one of the sort of detective, not detective, in, in one of the sort of police crime shows. Yeah, he and had appearances in Criminal Crim- Minds, I think it is, and he looks very much like he's playing himself. Yeah, yeah. By the sense, I think he actually in Criminal Minds, I think he does play the something like the artist or something. Is 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 um is credit? Yeah. Name. He's like a yeah. He's like he's the, clearly a musician, and I, I've I've not watched the episode. I don't I don't know whether he's the the victim or the uh, 
antagonist or what have you but a you know there's there's screenshots and you can see him in makeup and on stage and stuff like that and he's like going through reporters with his jacket up and stuff like that so he very much looks like he's playing like himself or you know fictionalized rocker so there's maybe a bit of ego going on here it's clear to say uh so the only track that got me interested in this album and it's the one that i remember the video for is the track the people that we love speed kills yeah um, if you know what i mean if you know what i mean great great they line. released head full of ghosts in the united states uh it didn't have a video it just had like a live video that just threw some live footage over and the previous one mentioned inflatable again released in the u.s inflatable i think it was filmed in london but it's all american it's about a boy who's going to join the army yeah army or graduation or good luck someone i watched about 30 seconds of it and then i fell asleep yeah it's it's a it's the slowest it's one of the slowest songs on the album it's the ballad it makes no sense why that was the release song it makes no sense no i mean i can be i can be kind to some of this album you've mentioned head full of ghosts i agree that's a a a listenable track the uh of my notes are the chorus dot 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 nice it's a nice album yeah i think i enjoyed the chorus of head of ghosts and i just sort of felt superman was okay because these might be like the only two songs with sort of hooks i recognized the people that we love, I, I did not enjoy that album. I didn't didn't enjoy that song. I didn't I didn't hate it. I just it it, it kind of as does a lot of this album sort of irritated me. There's just there's there's so many questions as to why they do the stuff they do on this on this album, and there's so much repetition and in, in sort of stuff and like outros or vocal lines and stuff like that it just feels like oh that was like two to four repetitions too much or or something but i i can hold my hand up and say i kind of maybe tapped my my foot along to head full of ghosts and superman for however many minutes of my life that was my favorite song on the album is is reasons and the reason that reasons gets me is i is like it the it's a hoobastank cover is that a hoobastank cover it's not it's not a hoobastank cover we need to talk about the reason don't we one day it's not a hoobastank cover it's just a song called reasons not the reason it's called reasons same thing reasons 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 and reasons i like the the tempo of his voice in that little at the intro the sort of like the vocals carry the song but it's the the beat of the vocals it's hard to describe but it's it's it, basically it doesn't happen any time before in the album and it doesn't happen any time since it makes the song stand out because it sounds different to the rest of the album it doesn't sound like the ballady wet wipe stuff that it sounded like for pretty much the most of it it's actually got a bit of a bit of tempo to it um and again i come back to like that opening sort of guitar on solutions is just absolute snorefest. Yeah. And to um to perhaps make this a thing, uh first time I heard this album, I was like, fuck me, this is a massive mayonnaise sandwich. It's just the blandest, plainest, 
two pieces of white bread and a big sloppy dollop of mayonnaise. You know, it's it's it's. I can hear the color beige when I listen to this album. Well, you it's, look at the uh, album cover. It's a fucking beige album cover. Well, it's, yeah, it's yeah. gold. I mean, it's, no, it it's, reminds me. Uh, it does sort of. Oh, maybe I'm looking at the wrong. It looks like a toasted mayonnaise sandwich, maybe. I did kind of get the feeling of like you know the um, the Les Paul gold top. Yeah, totally. That sort of color from it. Yeah. Yeah, get maybe that. a toasted mayonnaise sandwich. But you know what? No, because that's too much depth. The toasting adds too much flavor to to that toasted mayonnaise sandwich. Uh, again, it was a victim of nine eleven. Uh, not an actual victim. That sounds dreadful. Mm, it, it got changed. It got changed to respect. 9-11, as it was originally going to have a plane on it. Oh, the album cover got changed, not the release or anything. Yeah, the, the release got released when it when it did, but the, the, the album cover was going to have that on it. And the song, The People That We Love, was actually going to just be called Speed Kills. Ah. Um, so all the, those original promo releases of it, it was just known as Speed Kills. And it wasn't until after 9-11 that they thought, maybe we should tone that one down a bit and make that a sort of subplot of the thing but it's and it's interesting of a song because it's one of what lyrically it's not exactly exciting but it is talking about speed of thought that can kill if you don't if you think too fast you might kill people you get involved in things too fast it hurts the people that you love right that's the song okay um have you seen the video for, um, the, I remember the video. Thing. I've not watched it recently. So cringe, man. It is just, it's late nineties, early two thousands. As I mean, I even think Def Leppard might have had better CGI. But it's the uh, you know they're just it's just a performance piece. They're just on a green screen clearly, and there's like an audio wave just panning in and out of the shot, crossing the sort of left to right at different angles and it's it's clearly a flat image like there's no it's, it's not 3d or, or rendered or anything it's maybe even just someone's like got a jpeg or a png if they had them back in the day and just like stretching it across the screen every now and again i, I do remember it's it's just like lots of like flashing lines like jj abrams-esque oh that's like, been polite to call it jj abrams-esque it's not even got lens flare it's just this thing is just flying across. it may have lens flare but uh pinging lights everywhere. it was just a really yeah, cringy so I, because I like i went back and watched the video for uh, swallow as well or swallowed and like gavin rosdale just kind of does this like weird shaky thing with his guitar when he's when he when he seems to be performing on on for videos and stuff and i'm just kind of like this doesn't look good at all so, yeah, so anyway, that that's where I have to kind of appreciate the where I, I got I went to next. So Bush was pejoratively called a post-grunge band. Basically, it was grunge of the of the early 90s without the actual quality of heartache without, without the actual life experience or problems that associate with the clean grunge if you want and it was all too easy for bush to get lumped in as sounding like nirvana sounding like and and they got they got shit for razor blade suitcase because it's the same producer as a new tarot and guess who dated gavin rosdale in the 90s courtney love courtney love i mean 
he could not be trying to be well whether he was trying or the media was putting him in that direction he was being put up to this kind of Kurt Cobain Nirvana yeah you're you're the new grunge guy but grunge was already on its way out so he was doomed to fail totally totally and that was it they were that's where they filled the void and they they took took it for what they could get essentially so shortly after after dating Courtney Love he ended up getting with no doubt singer Gwen Stefani but not before then Gwen Stefani's brother Eric Stefani is playing piano on this album oh do we think that's how they met no I believe they met on tour a few years earlier but certainly they would have spent a lot of time together if through this because they got married in 2002 I want to say alright so then yeah okay I've seen no doubt have you seen have you seen um who the fuck are we talking about again? Bush. Have you seen Bush? <laughs> I've never seen them live, no. Although, <laughs> interestingly, um the C D that I bought off eBay yeah. came with a ticket stub from their live show at Nottingham Rock City in I believe it was October two thousand and one. I never sold you that. I mean either either A, the most redundant thing that's has ever been sold or they uh, completely overestimated how much you enjoy the band because why would you have a ticket stub for a gig you didn't go to? I mean, I didn't ask for the ticket stub. It no, wasn't I like I'm only buying it if it comes with a used ticket stub. No, I understand, stub. but why did they feel... It, why would they give it to you? Why would they put that out there for you? Why would they include that? Why, you know, what was their thought process? Did they think, oh, they're, if they're buying this, they must they must really, you know, that maybe they're massive Bush fans or something. Keith, it was just where they kept it. It was, it was inside the... They just kept it there. I thought that was quite sensible. Oh. I wish I'd done that with a lot of my ticket stubs 20 years ago. Okay. Because I've just kept them in a box and they're perishing away. But this one's beautifully preserved inside the CD case of the band that they went to So you to don't see. think it was they intentionally gave it to you? It was probably just in there and they forgot Not about it. 100% because who could remember such a memorable gig... <laughs> In November 2001, for such a memorable album. Yeah, that album probably really. Maybe that was it. Maybe they didn't think about you loving the loving the album so much that you'd want the stub. Maybe they're just like, oh, I just need to get rid of this. This is great. Hang on, I've just read something as well. Uh, he is the older brother of former bandmate Gwen Stefani, and is also the former animator on television series The Simpsons and the Ren and Stimpy Show. Fuck, Eric Stefani sounds like a cool guy. I know he's someone I'd like to have a beer with. He has an interesting backstory, and yeah, I have. Uh, I've seen. Um, no doubt, they played Team the Park. Nice, they good. I imagine I enjoyed were. it at the time. You know, I think they were they were kind of. It was maybe the, sort of their last hurrah. They were kind of a bit poppy, a bit more. I don't know. I've just what's that song they did where it was in the video was in black and white, and they were on like speed jets, and it was like do 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 do. That's a fucking jam. All right, okay. Well, there's a sound bite for the headliner. You, you knew um, what the song was this time. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. Oh, I've got it. It's, uh, it's better than the last one. It's so much better than the last one. Right. Put the vocal karaoke away. Thanks. The the thing was like, I mean, Gwen Stefani and and no doubt, no doubt were huge. Yeah. They were like. 
They were massive. Um, they'd had what, I'm Just a Girl and Don't, Don't Speak. Speak. Massive, massive song. Uh, they, So yeah, for him, for those two to get together was sort of this kind of rock royalty thing. Sure. And uh, yeah, 2002, they married. In the lead up to them wanting to start a family, Gavin Rosdale made the choice to try and get his ducks in a row and get his house in order. Uh, so he had been a godfather to a model called Daisy Lowe, whose mother was Pearl Lowe. And basically, Daisy wanted Gavin to be her dad, but it was never official. And well, Gavin was the godfather. Gavin had Did this girl not know who her real dad was. Yeah, uh, she thought it was some other guy. Some other. Guy. Um, but there was suspicions that it was Gavin. So Gavin, in preparation for getting his family started with Gwen, got a paternity test done, and then cut off all contact with Pearl and Daisy. Why did it come? Was it not him? It was him. And Pearl had to go through her lawyers and Gavin's lawyers to get the result released. Oh, he sounds like and a great guy. I know, right? But it's not like he was a, a distant father or a, you know, an absent father. He was with Daisy in her, in, in her growing up. He'd attended her shows. He'd, he'd encouraged her to do things because she was becoming a model around... She, I think she got involved in modeling like from age two, apparently. Don't don't ask me how that happened. Wow. Um, but she'd, you know, she was doing things in her own right and he'd, he'd attended all these things and supported her and then discovered he was actually her father and then just stopped talking to her. I have no idea. Anyway, just kind of to round that off, though, they have since reconciled. They There, there are articles that show them together and they're, they're playing and, and they're friends and they're the best, best of buds. So not not now a complete back then. Not completely. It probably helps with the fact that him and Gwen Stefani divorced in 2016 as well. That may have had something to do with wow, it. Potentially. I'm, I'm not saying that Gwen... This has gone very was... gossipy, hasn't it? Hasn't it? We're talking, about, we're talking about children and bloody bloody marriages and divorces and stuff like that. All right, let's... Uh... Ah, let's, let's bring it back. So, yeah, I've, I've alluded already to the fact that Golden State was basically the final hurrah of a band that was, that had recognised that it was out of touch. Okay. They knew they were out of date. Sounds like they so got they there went, pretty quickly, though. Like, I mean, I appreciate that that's four albums, but they've done their first album... What their second album went number one. They're, they've done a remix album. What their third album went a little bit electro-way or whatever. That wasn't received well. And then they've tried to come back to their quote roots to do this fourth album. Yeah. Yeah. So, sounds like they spiraled, and if, if I can say that. They've tried. They've tried to recover themselves. And I think that comes back to Woodstock 99. That was... That was the moment he, that Nigel says that we saw these really energetic, total like firecracker bands like Limp Bizkit, and we were just not there. We were totally devoid. And you know what? 
I can see it. They, the the post grunge thing. It led to it. It's led to some bigger bands now. Mm-hmm. I would say that post grunge is probably more popular now than it was, maybe in the early two thousands and and late nineties, when you've got certain bands. Uh, one one big band that gets lumped in in the post grunge. Can you? I've I've given you absolutely zero clue as to where I'm going. Yeah, I was, I was about to ask what define post grunge. Um, I don't know why. Merely because it's probably you we're talking to here. I'm gonna just. God, I'm just gonna shot in the dark, pissing into the wind here. Queens of the Stone Age. No, oh, well. no, I wasn't going down that route. No, um, I was actually going down a much more. Should I say controversial? They're not controversial. They're just shit. I can't fucking stand them. They basically led the way for bands like Nickelback. Oh, wait, hang on. Bush led the way for Nickelback. I would say so. They they, they, they carved a path of this clean-cut, radio-friendly rock rock music. Right, okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That music that your mum and dad can listen to without it being too offensive. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, it can shift units, but it doesn't really leave any impression on the young people who are actually going to be making decisions later on in life that can actually drive record sales. Yeah, the the kind of bands that get Stacey's mom excited. You know what I mean? Fully. Fully Stacey's up there. Stacey's mom. Uh, she had it going on, man. She had it going yeah, on. I'm pretty sure one of uh, one of the guys from that band passed away from COVID, actually. Oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Wow, did not know that. As I can't remember the band's name or the artist's name, so apologies. But R.I.P. Fountains of Fountains Wayne. Of Wayne. I'm sure it's the singer from Fountains of Wayne passed away from COVID. Do no I need way. to confirm that? No. Bef- you know, if we're just doing that. Yeah, can Fountains we can we get can we get that confirmed? I'll uh, I'll try and Wayne. carry Thanks. through. Absolute. I mean, I'm not heartbroken. I barely knew the band. I literally know one song, but still. Yeah, Adam. Nope. Sh- fuck. Schulzinger. Adam Schulzinger. Bass, guitar, drums, keyboards, rhythm, guitar, backing vocals. Passed away 2020. Goodness me. That's, That's a shame. Kind of come, coming back to Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, they had been mired in a legal dispute in Canada. Canada. Uh over the in Canada. What Canada? We haven't gotten listeners in Canada. Yet. A, I'd like to change boot, that eh? but uh, a boot. Uh basically another band from the seventies were called Bush. And the the lead singer or the of the, the, the main guy of this band, he had exclusive Canadian rights to the name can't come here to can't bush. come here to canada eh taking our bush names eh can't come to canada that's our bush names so instead bush used the name bush x oh they didn't they did oh, it doesn't get any better for them good lord uh that was in 1995 uh it got resolved um with the settlement out of court with uh the 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 owners of the original canadian Bush name. The Canadian Bush. The Canadian Bush. The original Canadian Bush. (laughs) Asking for the British Bush guys, each of them, to pay 20 grand 
to charity. All right. Good, good move. So 80 grand and they could drop that little, it wasn't actually Bush X. It was like Bush Superscript X, like a little uh, X squared type or cube. All right type there, thing. boys, you pay that to charity. Yeah, there. And we'll get a, we'll, well, you can have your, you can drop your X. All right, Fargo, carry on. Thanks for that. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was the story of. of did they do it? Did, did they pay the Bush? They, they got it. They they got the name in the end, and they paid it. Which all right, fair do. Oh, I mean, whole plate of them. Did they pay it, or did their label pay it? Apparently, it was each band member had to pay twenty grand. Yeah, but I mean, what does that mean? Like you know, the band, the label could have just been like, all right, here's your here's your eighty k. Split between the two of you, four of you. Well, what they're going to do is just be like, we'll just dock 20 grand out of your next paycheck. Probably Each. something like that. Who knows? Like that. So did you, so Bush, Bush broke up after this, right? They did, and I never listened to them again. Well, that answers that question then before I even answer it. So you didn't, but, the, but I want to get this. It led me to actually listen to real grunge. And it is because of bands of golden state is because of golden state that i started listening to bands like soundgarden mm-hmm. pearl jam alice in chains and the already mentioned nirvana it was I honestly he- i thought you were going to say the, the previously mentioned nickelback <laughs> and queens of the stone age no it, it was because of this this sound which i i like i say i like some of the songs on the album the album is, is poorly paced and and poorly produced whatever but it it still had a a sound to it that i was like i dig that but i would like it better can i get it can i get it done properly now and it made me look back towards the inspirations for this to get a better idea of what they were trying to achieve sort of what they were trying to go for mm-hmm. and that's when and when you once you listen to something like inutero or maybe dirt by alice in chains you realise these guys were fucking way off. They weren't ever touching it. Well, yeah, this is the thing. Like, I, I mean, I have to admit, grunge is just something I've never really gotten into. At most, at most, I have given a bit of time to Alice in Chains. Don't know. If, I, I, I seem to have liked Alice in Chains before, but pff, I never gave a fuck about Nirvana. I don't give a fuck about whoever else you just said. Like. I'm just we're gonna have even... we're gonna have some conversations over the next few weeks, Keith, because my my tastes are now going in that direction. Ah, oh, great. Yeah, but this is this is what I mean. Like, I am surprised that Bush that 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 they did send you towards the likes of Alice in Chains and Nirvana and Soundgarden, and not your your Nickelbacks or your um, or your, your your Creeds or whatever. Like that's. Um, Stadium rock is that what we would refer to that as? Stadium rock. I there's a, a a guy on YouTube that refers to it as butt rock, and he doesn't mean it in like butt as in buttocks. He refers to it as in radio stations that play nothing but rock. <laughs> nice. I've actually just realised on the uh, Bush Wikipedia, I can see Bush X. You're right. It's almost like a like a times or or, or whatever. It's not like an actual. Yeah, it's like the square root of Bush. Or the x, the x, x is the find x, find x, find the variable. X going to um, give it to you. But yeah, it's, it was. I have to. It, it was a. 
a real tough listen to go back to because oh boy, it's it 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 hasn't aged well. It's still a dull, bland album, (laughs) and I was I was regretting. I must admit, when I said it out loud in the in the previous uh, podcast with, with after Origin of Symmetry, I was like, oh god, what have I let myself in for? And I started listening to it, and I'm like, oh god. I'm gonna have to do this, and then it's I've started researching here. it. I've still I've started researching it, and it's actually through its research that I'm like, oh, this this has actually got some some meat around its bones here. It's all right, bit of a story. The, it's got a bit of story behind it. It's it's you know it's everyone likes to see a tragedy. Everyone's to see <laughs> uh, a car crash, um, and it's you know this was far from a car crash album. It it seemed to get recorded and and put together fair enough but just it's it just reception was so flat that it just resulted in the 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 end of the band as they were they came back in 2010 um with the the guitarist that covered for nigel on that tour he he stepped up and they had the original drummer and gavin and, and a new um bassist i think they put out a few more albums that they're still making stuff now. As far as I can tell, I think the drummers since left, they got another one in, but there was, there was a good window of about 10, nine or 10 years where they just did not release anything. And I'm wondering if again, that might come back to those contracts. If there was some sort of like, the name Bush is owned by Atlantic records. You're not allowed to make anything under that name for X amount of time. Yeah, Um, sure. That's a strange one, but it doesn't change the fact that this, the album's still really boring. And I mean, does Gavin Rossdale and... sing the same note the entire album? Yeah, yeah, he does. I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with that one because I think his voice is very monotonous in it. Oh, Christ, I think he's going so for the, he's, he's going for that Kurt Cobain sound, though, isn't he? Like you first hear him, you you first hear the voice, and you're like. All right, yeah. There's there's maybe something here. I quite like the tone. Uh, I, I kind of like what's going on here. And then, approximately two seconds later, you think, "Oh, oh, God, no! It's the same thing. It's just on repeat." He's not a bad singer. I'm, I he's don't not a think, bad singer. I don't think he's a bad singer. I don't think any of the band members are poor musicians by any stretch. I think they, no. they're clearly talented. It's just this album was just an. Just try hard. Would I? Would try? Would did? Were they trying too hard? They, I mean, that's what that's what Nigel kind of alluded to in that interview with BBC. What What do you think? Well, yeah, you're right. I don't think Rossdale's a bad singer in the slightest. It's just ironically, none of his music that he writes complements his voice. And then, yeah, there are parts of 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 these songs that are like, are you, there's moments. There's like a solo or there's like a chord progression or something where you think, oh, cool, something's going to happen. Where is this going to go? Or this this, this could be cool. But then nothing changes. It's just the same drive and drivel behind it that that was there for the previous three minutes or, or whatever. So, yeah, like it's, it's just so funny that like you've, you've, you've got to this album and like you've got this great memory of it and it's cool that it's led you to other places such as significantly better bands or at least significantly better music than what this album was. 
But like, fuck me, it is. I listened to this driving back from Scotland yesterday and nearly fell asleep. I nearly died because <laughs> did, the, of did this almost this album almost kill you? Well, I just it was just so indiscernible. Like it was like I mean it was raining really badly. Not that that's an excuse, but like it, you know it just. I can. I just felt like it was a. It was each song was like a sequence of parts. It was not any complete song. It was just like a here's a bit and here's a bit and here's a bit and let's put sexy Gavin Rosdale over it and then that's it. <laughs> sexy Gavin Rosdale. I mean, he's an attractive man. Let's 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 not mince our words here. Like you can see why they probably got very popular very quick. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, absolutely a bleak, bland, flavorless. Fucking male sandwich, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I have to. I have to give it its props for what it opened my eyes to, and it made me. And I, it's something that I do a lot with the music that I listen to. I like to do anyway is to kind of look back a bit. So I like to look at bands that inspired bands. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the the mid two thousands, listening to bands that we ended up going on to like Killswitch Engage, Parkway Drive that would then take a step back I would go right what influenced that so I would listen to bands like At The Gates I would listen to bands like In Flames and it's like well where what was what was the driving forces behind that and I would listen to maybe a bit of Dio and then you'd, you know start going even further back in Rainbow and Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, and and you just you can go back forever. You can you know it's pretty infinite. I'm but... waiting for you to go back to Bush though. Like who the <laughs> fuck influenced but... Bush? Because everyone everyone you named came before Bush. So well, that's that. They, well, well, what did Bush go on to influence? Sorry, is that what you? Yeah. Silence. Silence says everything. There you go. You name you name and you name some. Like I, no, I think they. It's... I don't think they influenced it, but I think they laid the groundwork for bands like Nickelback, like Creed. They made grunge super accessible and super radio-friendly for, you know, you've got to, appealing to those rock fans from the 80s who'd come off hair metal, they'd come away from, they, they didn't quite like the, the harshness of, of Nevermind and and that that sound that that can be a bit can, that abrasiveness so they wanted something that's smooth easy listening but still you know they can just put it on the background enough and, and not offend anybody still have the impression that like it rocked like that there was a punch to it or something yeah fucking look at this photograph of gavin rosdale <laughs> look at this photograph <laughs> so what i saw today actually was uh, sort of a picture frame and it's and it's that it's it's fucking poodle haircut holding up the photograph, and then they've just cut out <laughs> where the photograph was, so you can put your own photograph of him. This <laughs> is great. Was that a real physical frame in like B and M or something? I'll buy you it. I'll, that'll be your birthday present. Oh, please do. I, I will can't buy wait you to throw that. it in the bin. <laughs> no, you no, you have to keep it for a year, you, at least a, a year. year. Is that is that a deal? Like, oh, okay, okay, if you. Yeah, maybe maybe you could take a screen grab of uh, of, uh, of of us in the in the pod, and you. I'll do that actually. I'll put a little screen grab of us in the pod, and it'll be look at this photograph, and it's just a photograph of me and you, holding a photograph of me and you, exactly. holding a photograph of me and you, ad exactly. infinitum, fantastic. Do we have anything else to talk about when it comes to Bush? 
I mean, we've managed to almost stretch this to an hour. I'm stunned. I thought I was going to be out of material within 10 minutes. Me too. Um, Me too. So, yeah, again, I think it's it's because it's an interesting set of personnel and what they were doing and what they have since become. Uh, it just, just goes to show that the band had all the ingredients to make a lovely, lovely cake. And they just made it shite. Yeah, I mean, for all the jokes and the this is a mayonnaise sandwich and what have you. How many times have I said that now? But like, I suppose it sucks that like at the end of the day, these guys lost the band out of this. They had fallouts and they had disagreements, and whether it was a certain singer's ego or whether it was label influence or or whatever it was, like that 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 kind of blows. Um, From what I can tell, Atlantic sold them up the river. And and I've known Atlantic have done that since with other bands as well. Are they the same as Maverick? Uh, not in the same vein, but I know that Atlantic were the ones that I'm sure Funeral for a Friend were on Atlantic. And it was Atlantic that decided to release the greatest hits album, Your History is Mine. Yeah. And the guys in Funeral for a Friend weren't really aware of that Atlantic did that on their own because they own because they had the rights to the songs they could effectively do whatever they want and it's a known thing to get an album to get a band out of a contract is just throw a greatest hits album together take, take up one of the album slots by by that yeah it was Atlantic they were on Atlantic so that was that was the exit of Funeral for a Friend from Atlantic Records shit was was your history is mine that didn't happen with bush because i'm guessing they needed to release more than one greatest hits album and yeah i'd, I'd struggle to make a single one to be perfectly frank fair they did um yeah they did hmm that's interesting because tales don't tell themselves i think a very highly underrated album was on atlantic and then i dislike it you would and then memory and humanity uh, was actually on Roadrunner, but then the there's a label we need to discuss one day. But then the your history is mine, because who do you think Nickelback was signed to? Yeah, of course, Roadrunner. Fucking Roadrunner, man! At one point, I had uh, like like my like my little CD tower in my bedroom because we all had fucking CD towers back in the day. Oh yes, like I like. I didn't do it alphabetically, but I did like at one point realize I had like half my stack was Roadrunner records. So I just had like, I just reshuffled them all to be like all my Roadrunner albums in, in one go. And I've already got ahead of me. I think we're going to cover the Roadrunner um, 25th anniversary, the Roadrunner United. Cause yes, we are. I fucking loved that album. That was, uh, that was intense. I've got this, I've got a DVD from 2000 and, I want to say five, but it was basically a load of music videos from from Roadrunner up to that point. And I'm sure it's got bands from Chimera, El Nino, uh, Nino. Every Time I Die. Yeah, yeah. And then Nickelback. Well. I've said their name too many times in this episode. If there's some AI bot scanning through and we start getting Nickelback fans in here, we're in trouble. And you're more than welcome to uh, Alive or Just Blethering. 
The um, th- another band that sort of ended up on Roadrunner that you wouldn't think would end up on Roadrunner were uh, our old friends Dream Theater. Did they? I, s- I say old friends. We've not actually spoken about them yet. We're gonna. We're fucking gonna. I'm just preempting it. But um, yeah, he's been building it up for weeks. Uh, Roadrunner signed to um, oh fucking what was the album called yeah they one of their sort of albums went on to to Roadrunner as well I don't know how long they stayed I suppose we'll find that out you'll need to tell us one day but yeah that was Bush and Golden State and what it meant to me and what it means to me now nada so thanks very much uh, I've already forgotten what the fuck we were talking about uh, I'll never remember <laughs> those songs again like I I, I, will, I will genuinely it's, it's already left my my, my memory um but um, might go watch Constantine. Yeah, I, I might I might watch Constantine soon actually as well. It's one I've not seen for a while, and I, I remember enjoying it the first time I watched it, and I'm sure I'll enjoy it the next. Keanu Reeves, man, can't go wrong. So next week it's gonna be you. Yeah, what the fuck am I doing next week? Don't know. It's your album, it's your choice. Oh, I know what I'm doing next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned if I was. You know, early 20s, if you'd asked me what my favourite albums were, I'd have said, oh, yeah. what, can you remember? Oh, I remember. I'm going to let you do the reveal. Right, so we've done one. We've done Origin of Symmetry. You and I have got a little something special planned for uh, the other one of the other bands, which leaves Morning View by Incubus. I'm going to do Morning View, because I fucking love that album. Still to this day, uh, it's... it's it's one of my top albums so yeah well uh i, I was in incubus hard when i was younger so much so i have an incubus tattoo so um yeah we'll uh we'll wait into that and we'll see is it somewhere that's publicly safe to show um if by that you mean my no it's not so we're not going to put any pictures of your incubus tattoo on the instagram page some then. it's on my back i could show you if you want but it's um it's I'm really not interested. Fucking, it's it's more for our listeners. It's really fade. Well, I'm quite fond of the tattoo. It's not an embarrassing tattoo by any means. I could put it on, but I'll be like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's my Kiwi's tattoo. What of it? But um, it's really faded these days. I'm gonna have. It's probably my old one of my oldest tattoos. So I'm gonna have to get it touched up. I've never had any band tattoos. I've got nothing. I've also technically got a funeral for a friend tattoo as well. Doesn't look like funeral for a friend. Just, I didn't take any of the artwork. Right. I took a song name. Go on. Well, I've got roses for the dead on my across my shoulders. Do, do you? One arm says roses for the other arm says the dead. Oh, I didn't know that. Very nice. It's been there. Yeah, I've never got a lyric. I've had lyric ideas, but by the time it comes around to me actually wanting to get it done, I've moved on from that band so it's kind of it's me yeah. has, has left me yeah i can't really escape the fish the fish are definitely an incubus tattoo and i'm fine with that because i still enjoy the album and i still enjoy funeral for a friend but to to it doesn't look like a funeral for a friend tattoo so it's it's, it's fine like it's, it's not like i've got like the the chick with the body armor like or, anything <laughs> like that. or the, the two people on the rock with the face or the blindfold yeah fair enough oh that's good wow well, well we can talk tattoos and things to, uh, in the next episode of Alive or Just Blethering. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Alive or Just Blethering. 
Head on over to our Instagram and Twitter at AOGB Podcast for all of our latest updates, memes, and top quality content. Uh, next time on Alive and Just Blethering, Keith is going to be taking us through Morning View by Incubus. Yes, bloody Incubus! We're going to go back to bloody Incubus and celebrate Morning View. Bloody kind of. Good night! I wish you were here. Bye-bye.